This is Fine Rambles, number... Good Lord, what number is this? 60? 65, I think? Anyway, do you guys know what the trolley problem is? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it goes something like this. You're standing at the side of a trolley track, and a runaway trolley comes rushing towards you. And you notice that tied to the tracks are five people. And then you notice that there's a side track that you could shunt the trolley to by pulling a lever. And on that side track, there's one person (laughs) tied to the tracks. And so if you pull the lever, the trolley goes to the side track and kills one person. And if you do nothing, five people will die. And I was reading this article recently that said, that's a fantasy. Like, that's sort of an ideal world where we actually get to make that choice. The real trolley problem is where you're standing next to a trolley track. And again, there are five people tied to it. But in this world, there's no side track. And this time, if you pull the lever, there's a boom box in the trolley and it will play all-star by Smash Mouth. <laughs> but if you don't pull the lever, the boombox instead will play Sex and Candy by Marcy Playground. There, there is absolutely no way to save the five people tied to the tracks. That's the world we live in today. <laughs> we, have, we have no control. We were forced to stand by and watch these horrible, horrible things happen. And that lack of control is deeply deeply unhealthy, right? It releases cortisol and it makes us stressed out and it makes us sick, literally sick. And and we end up just angry all the time. When more and more things are out of our control, we start to focus all of our anger and our rage on the things that at least we think we can control. And, and more and more, these are sort of online social media it, this is cancel culture right this is this is calling out strangers on twitter you know blah 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 the problem in my mind is that that's exactly the way the powers that be want it right this is exactly what they want and you know this is oh boy matt's putting on his his tin foil hat again and yeah there definitely is an aspect of that here but <laughs> I do think that there is this sort of entrenched group of people enjoy it when they see the rest of us getting angry at each other. And and I put into that category things like the deep state, right? And that would be like the CIA or NSA or just, you know, the the faceless bureaucrats in the government. We don't know their names. We don't know their roles. They're unelected, they're unaccountable, they're, they're essentially anonymous, but they have enormous power, and it's impossible for us to know how they exercise that power, and it's impossible for us to hold them to account. There are no, <laughs> the deep state has no checks and balances. They have no restraint. They have no transparency. Presidents come and go. But the CIA and the NSA are forever. <laughs> and I would sort of put into that camp things like the military-industrial complex or big technology. Again, you know, there are people at defense contractors that 
again, do not shift between presidencies, and their power is very deep, and it's essentially hidden. And big tech, obviously, you know, I think that's pretty clear. There are people at these companies now deciding who gets access to the platform. I have no idea who's on these trust and safety. My God, that's an Orwellian term. These trust and safety councils, they don't publish their procedures or their processes or their rules. There's no accountability. There's no recourse. You know, it's funny. When I was... I guess this dates all the way back to 2016 when Bernie Sanders was starting to run for the presidency. And, you know, I was pretty excited at the time. I was like, you know, here's a voice for change, real change. And, you know, I said he should just talk about five things, just state five facts to the American people so we can start to wake up and understand how rigged this system is, how broken this system is and talk about the truths that are simply not discussed in the mass media or, or on the podiums because none of those people have an incentive to tell us the truth. The first, student debt is not forgivable, right? And that basically creates indentured servants who are 22 years old, who, didn't, who had to decide at 18 to become indentured servants, and so they were very vulnerable, and society lied to them, right? They lied to them and said, if you go to college, you're going to have a lot of opportunity, which is simply no longer the case, right? Even as the cost spirals out of control, largely due to, you know, A, that it's financeable, right? We know this, that any asset that can be financed will become much, much more expensive. And then B, just the explosion in, in the administration, just the bureaucracies at these universities, which, you know, there aren't any more professors now than there were 40 years ago, but there's like 5x the number of red tape bureaucrats. And that's why college costs, you know, $40,000, $50,000 a year now instead of ten. And the opportunity isn't there either, right? At the same time, costs are through the roof. The return is going through the floor, because universities are now credentialism factories, right? They don't educate you. You want to learn something, go do it. Go, go to Coursera, go to Khan Academy, go to Wikipedia. You go to university for the credential, for the little stamp, right? Approved. And that system has been carefully designed so that only the children of the rich can make it through successfully. The median Harvard parents... That household earns $169,000 a year. And you wonder why college kids do better. Well, their parents are rich, so they can give them postgraduate opportunities. Okay, well, that's number one. Number two, the carried gains tax loophole, <laughs> right? So what this basically means is that if a private equity firm holds an asset or a company for three years and then sells it, the, the fees that they receive in that year for the sale are treated as capital gains, not as income. And so they're taxed at 24% and not 50%, basically. And that means that these people who are making, you know, three, four, five million dollars a year are taxed as though they were making $55,000 a year, which is a nice trick, <laughs> right? They lobbied the government and therefore, as a result, incredibly rich people are being taxed as if they were middle class. Let's see, number three, what was the third thing? Oh, okay, so the third thing was that Medicaid can't negotiate drug prices, right? How insane is this? Medicaid is the biggest purchaser of drugs, but they're not allowed to use that scale to get lower prices for the American taxpayer. 
And again, it's the same reason, right? The drug companies paid a couple lobbyists in Washington a couple million dollars, and as a result, they get to overcharge the American people by like a couple hundred billion dollars a year. (laughs) It's completely insane. And then fourth, the oligopolization of industry. You know, this is the concentration of industry through mergers and acquisitions. And David Tepper and Matt Stoller have been doing some really good work on this. Look at any industry, any industry, especially the ones that piss you off. They have consolidated down to two or three players, banks, cable companies, credit bureaus. And the result of all this consolidation is not efficiency, which they claim. It's just higher prices, right? It's higher prices and worse service. The service gets worse. The products fail. Like, they literally fail. I mean, look at the banks, right? The banks caused the crisis in 2008. They were bailed out. And they were allowed to consolidate even more. Cable companies were given local monopoly rights. And they now raise prices way above inflation. And (laughs) the service is terrible. Credit bureaus. I mean, look, Equifax collects your data without your permission. And then they get hacked. Let's see. Healthcare is a great example. Healthcare, Healthcare is broken in this country, partially because every layer in healthcare has become either a duopoly or an oligopoly. And that ranges from HMOs to PBMs, which are the pharmacy benefit managers, to drugstores, right? There's CVS and Walgreens. Hospitals. In your city, probably two hospitals have 80% of the market. Drug companies, even distributors like McKesson and Cardinal Health. So you layer duopoly on top of duopoly on top of oligopoly, and each one is raising prices above what prices would be in a healthy capitalist economy. Let's see. Military, right? (laughs) Right? Oh, my God. So the new products coming out of the military-industrial complex don't work. They literally don't work. The F-35 coming out of Lockheed Martin that is projected to cost a trillion dollars doesn't fly. It doesn't work. The, the, uh, the LCS, the littoral combat ships, don't work. The new aircraft carriers being built by Huntington Ingalls, they literally do not function. So you have regulatory capture, and you have this revolving door that creates the regulatory capture. And together, they've helped destroy American industry. The drug companies control the FDA. The war companies control the DOD. Boeing controls the FAA. The banks control the Fed, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Right? He could go on all day. And then fifth, the fifth point that I hoped Bernie would make more succinctly than I'm making is just the broken healthcare industry, right? Who do you know who doesn't have a heartbreaking story to tell about how they've been treated by that industry in this country? And the reason for all the complexity is relatively straightforward. The industry makes money because we're sick, right? So they make money by making us sick and keeping us sick. If you're healthy, you're not profitable. If you're dead, you're not profitable. So the entire industry, aided by the food industry, isn't designed to prevent illness. It's designed to make us sick, to make us as sick as possible, but not die. As sick as possible, with all the suffering that entails, and keep us there as long as possible. Meanwhile, gouging us and the government down to our last red cent. (sighs) So you have, you know, not just these five problems, but, you know, dozens like this. And the result, well, the, <laughs> the result is that in this country now, 10% of households control more than 70% of the wealth. Between, 
Between 1968 and 2012, the Gini coefficient, which is a measure of inequality, has gone from 0.39 to 0.48. That is a staggering increase. It's a staggering increase in inequality. You try to find a country that has a higher inequality coefficient than that, and you're not looking at a healthy country. But here's the fucked up thing. Inequality can be maintained in a society for a long time, but the cost is enormous for everyone because inequality creates violence, right? When you don't have opportunity, violence becomes a rational strategy. Your discount rate goes through the fucking roof. I mean, we're basically, for a large part of America, we're basically back to feudal times where they serve the rich. I mean, look at the list of jobs that are growing. It's personal trainers and Uber drivers and private chefs and maids and, uh, and landscaping and, and massage therapists and, and many petty people. And let's see, who else? Pet walkers, wealth advisors, Amazon package deliverers. I mean, those are, <laughs> those are feudal jobs. There's no opportunity and you destroy your body doing them. And so if you have no opportunity, who cares about tomorrow, right? And so violence increases. And that means even for the rich, right? Even for the rich who think they've gamed the system, it's not a pleasant society. Think about, think about very unequal societies like India or Mexico or, or Brazil. The rich people are driven between their nice house and their nice club and the nice restaurant. And that's it. They can't take a walk outside. They can't go hang out at a coffee shop. They can't just go shopping. They're always afraid for themselves or for their children, right? Their cars have bulletproof glass. They literally put chips under their children's skin in case they get kidnapped. They're seriously considering what country to flee to when the revolution happens. I mean, that, <laughs> that is not the kind of society I want to live in, where the rich are afraid and isolated and the poor just get ground into the dirt. But that is the kind of society our country is moving towards. And our getting distracted is not helping. It's not helping. Ah, okay. <laughs> Soapbox over. That's all I got. I'll catch you next week.